This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. Um, actually, our first for 2021. Been a little bit slow getting back into the year. January is often a bit hard to come to grips with um, all the workload ahead, but um, February 1, we're off and running, and um, I'm pleased to say I've got a good guest for our first podcast back for this year. We're speaking to Darren Chow, uh, Discoveries Australian and New Zealand Head of Content Production and Channels. Welcome, Darren. Hi, James. Hi, listeners. Great to be here. Thanks for having yeah. me. Look, it's, it's good to be chatting to you. I probably last spoke to you it was a bit over six months ago. Um, we were talking about, um, I think it was Aussie Gold Hunters and... Yes, uh, Aussie Gold Hunters. Uh, I think we were in the middle of uh, the pandemic and yeah. lockdown and we were desperately trying to ensure and rescue our local productions to make sure that they all continued filming. Yes. Uh, I, I'm, pl- I'm pleased to say that uh, we went into last year uh, aiming to have our biggest year ever of local production and despite the pandemic, we kept every single hour filming. Uh, so hats off to all of our production partners for uh, for being so quick and agile in um, uh, setting up very safe work um, workplaces and uh, safe production bubbles. I, I want to talk to you. We'll talk to. I'll get an update on Aussie Gold Hunters later in this podcast. Um, I want to cover off um, Outback Opal Hunters. I want to cover off some of your other. You've uh, recently commissioned a new show for Australia. You've got a bunch of other programs. But first of all, tell us a little bit about your job, Darren. Now, um, there's quite a few channels in the Discovery family and you work across a few of them. Yeah, so I oversee our, our full portfolio of uh, pay TV brands across Australia and New Zealand and as well as at our, our free-to-air uh, channels in a channel in Australia as well. Uh, so Nine Rush, uh, we launched, created and launched uh, last April as part of a joint venture with with Nine. So I oversee the content strategy and forward forward planning for that channel, working hand in hand with the Nine programming team. Uh, we're very proud of that that cha- that channel. It's uh, it's done in- exceptionally well. It delivers to men, particularly commercial men. It's grown from from quarter to quarter, so uh, it very quickly hit its target. So we're we're very happy with how that channel's tracking. And then uh, look, we've we've expanded our 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 um, our brands and portfolio across the region. Uh, our pay channels. Last year, we launched Investigation Discovery last February. And uh, as part of our Sky renewal in New Zealand, we'll be launching uh, uh, ID in New Zealand as well in March. Uh, so we're, we're, we're continuing to foster and uh, uh, our existing partnerships there in pay TV. But at the same time, we're, we're, we're building new partnerships. We've expanded our, our partnership with Fetch TV last year, adding additional channels there, Animal Planet, uh, ID and Turbo. Um, and then in, as well as that, uh, across ANZ, we're, we're expanding our business uh, really uh, significantly now moving into free-to-wear in New Zealand as well. So just over a year ago, we acquired Top TV, uh, which is uh, who, who run HGTV and Choice TV. And then just before Christmas, we uh, we completed the acquisition of MediaWorks. So we're, we're continuing to... Um, to 
endeavour to reach more audiences across all screens. And so essentially we were just a pay TV business for, for 25 years and in the last year uh, we, we've expanded uh, and diversified our, our business and so I pretty much oversee uh, many of those channels and brands across the ANZ market. So I guess that's that's one part of the gig and then the other yeah. part of the gig which we've t- touched on already is the is the development and uh, overseeing and executive producing of our local content slate, um, yeah. which we've expanded something like tenfold in the last five years. Yeah, that's an amazing, and I I reckon you know I mean you've you've had you've had some challenges as well as your production companies over the. I guess you haven't travelled and got out of the office or the home office as much you, as you would have liked, but I I still reckon you've probably got one of the best jobs in in TV in Australia because you're working on some pretty interesting content and um, head office obviously thinks you and your, your production teams out here are doing a good job because they keep expanding the um, number of commissions, don't they? Yeah, look, it, it's always challenging though because, uh, it, you know, you're working within increasingly sort of tightened budgets so you've got to be quite clever with the way that uh, you commit and divert that spend. You've got to be really clever in building uh, strong partnerships, uh, be that the production community, uh, the screen funding uh, uh, community as well, and also international partners, both internal ones within Discovery, but also external also. And and having very, building very um, smart sort of finance plans, and also making sure that that you're commissioning content that's going to, uh, so commission content and working with the right people to ensure that the shows are successful here across Australia and New Zealand, but also a really important box that we need to tick is that those shows need to need to work globally also. And one of, and that's that's how we've been able to expand our slate. Uh, Outback Opal Hunters and Aussie Gold Hunters now have aired in over 100 countries worldwide. Uh, and the big thing that happened in, in the last year or so is that both shows got picked up by uh, Discovery US, uh, now Discovery US, the number one US cable channel for men, and they aired both shows on their number one night of the week. Now, if you can make sh- shows that work for an Australian audience and an international audience and a US audience, then generally that should make it a bit easier to keep production going locally. Sure. So talk to me a little bit about um, Outback Opal Hunters. Now there's a, I think it's season six actually, Australia has the global premiere this week. Correct. We're launching season six uh, this Thursday, February 4 at 8.30pm on Discovery. Uh, it, its lead-in will be the final episode uh, of the current season of Gold, um, Gold Rush Parker's Trail which uh, was entirely filmed in Australia. So that's another good story there. Uh, and, yeah, look, I'm really excited about Opal Hunters. Uh, it, it's, been such a, it's been such a big global hit for us. Um, and this upcoming season will be the best season yet. Uh, we've got some amazing new characters joining, joining the series. Prospero, uh, just about second to none to being able to uncover and discover uh, amazing, engaging, unique characters. Uh, uh, I mean, we've got this new character called, called the Bishop, who is actually a bishop. Now, he's a bishop. He's an opal miner. 
Right. And not only that, this guy has has been training in martial arts for, for about two decades and volunteers his services as the bouncer in the local pub. Now, you, you couldn't you couldn't make that up, right? So we we continue to work with Prospero and finding really engaging characters um, because ultimately, you know, if if the audience isn't engaged by them, they won't be immersed by the series. So I think this season will be the best series uh, season of Opal Hunters yet. Uh, in this season, we have uh, we 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 find uh, the most valuable single piece of opal ever in the series to date. It's worth over one hundred and twenty thousand dollars for one small piece of opal. Uh, and then perhaps even bigger than that is the single biggest haul ever is uncovered in this upcoming season. Now, I won't, I won't tell you which which team it is. And I won't tell you how much, but I can tell you that the haul was over $1 million. Stop it. What? <laughs> So you, you you wonder why these guys, I mean, because I think what that what they do is crazy, the, these opal miners. You wouldn't catch me doing it. It's so dangerous. It's so difficult. Um, it, it's so unique to to particular landscapes. Um, but it's it once once these characters uh, have been bitten by the bug, they have that bug for life. And every now and then you can be made a millionaire overnight. Million dollars. Hope you don't make us wait till the last episode. But um, well, you'll have to wait. <laughs> when you guys, you might. Now, tell me if I'm. I think I'm right. Season five of Outback Opal Hunters started pretty dramatically with the flood. The, the, yeah, the that's right. I mean, mines were flooded. Have you got something sort of similarly grabbing to start off this one? Uh, well, I don't want to give too much away. I mean, one no, of the no, just say there is something good. Is there? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we, we work very hard now to ensure that, uh, you know, we, we always kick off in the right way, in, in, in a way that's going to grab our audience's attention. And that was a really unique uh, thing, occurrence uh, last year. Uh, it just really demonstrated just, um, just how unique in the world Australia is as a landscape, the fact that we could come out of those fires and then immediately in, in, into floods like that. Uh, and then, of course, the pandemic. So I think, you know, what the thing that really, I think the landscape is one of the driving forces for a lot of our our shows. It's a character in itself. Um, so it's important for us to find great characters, as I said, but but the actual uniqueness and diversity of our landscape is is something that that is also helps make the, make these shows work globally. It's just intriguing to overseas audiences. You sort of spit out a few episodes too. Now, was it just in October last year the previous season kicked off? Yeah, that's right. We uh, that was a shorter season of eight, uh, and then the upcoming season from this Thursday will be twelve episodes, uh-huh. and that will more or less take us through to the new season of Aussie Gold Hunters. And I'm guessing too, then, from what you've been saying, some of these are, are reasonably quick turnarounds from what happens to to when it gets to air. Oh look, I mean the the, but you'd be right in saying that. I mean, having said that, I think the episode you referred to that we that kicked off last season yeah. it was probably about six months after it had happened. So okay. we have to we have to follow these crews for a very long time, um, you know, to get these amazing stories. Yeah. So 
so Outback Opal Hunters, you've got, what, half a dozen teams now you follow or is it a bit less than that? Yeah, for the next season it's 10 teams. Oh, 10. My Lord. Yeah, I think we we were very lucky with that show because we, we – we're spoiled for choice. We've, it's such a it's such an amazing selection of characters that we've got. So we it meant that we were able to retain a number from the previous season, and then we've built on that as well. But the other thing too, I mean, going back last year, one of the other considerations about casting was we we filmed this. So the current season's filmed in three states. What well, what we weren't sure about is what was going to happen with the pandemic and we needed to have some level of flexibility in case states got closed. Mm. Uh, so we wanted to make sure we had a good spread of characters ac- across Australia um, that w- would, would be able, ha- would have the ability to supply great story, enough great storylines. And in the current climate, I'm guessing that means a te- dedicated camera crew based in each state? Yeah, so we, this is so. Last year, when when the pandemic hit, we actually we we quickly sort of mobilised crews and created these production bubbles so that they were all just safe zones. And in some instances, crews took their families and just lived there for for multiple months. Certainly, in some states like Western Australia, uh, because production had shut down in terms of um, television, drama, and and film. Because we were able to keep our shows in production, in a lot of ways, we kept the industry alive. We were the only game in town. We had a num- we had, I think four shows filming in Western Australia, for example, at the same time. So, uh, like I said before, it's it, we had to move very quickly, but we also wanted to ensure that we created very safe um, work workplaces. Okay, I'm still getting my head around this one million dollar plus. Um... <laughs> It's amazing. So I think series... James, James, that's the most number, that's the biggest single haul we've had across all of our Strike It Rich shows. I mean, as an example, I mean, we've had some big hauls on Aussie Gold Hunters. Mm. Now, we've we've struck a million twice, but in those instances, that's across an entire season. Yeah. Right? That's accumulated, not a single find. Mm. On a season five ended, I think, with the couple of the guys, one of the teams had a haul of about combined haul of 70-odd grands, 73 or something, and I thought that was pretty impressive, you know. Which it is. It absolutely is. I mean, that's 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 what makes this haul just truly spectacular. Sure, sure. Now, um, tell us now, you've recently announced a new commission. Now, I think last year before this was, this was revealed, um, Discovery was already the uh, the biggest commissioner, the biggest international commissioner of programming out of Australia. I'm gathering yeah. that's still the case by quite a fair distance. And I guess you'll add to that with your new series. Yeah. So last week we announced Sydney Harbour Force, which uh, WTFN is producing. Uh, we're partnering with our colleagues in the UK, Discovery UK, on this one. And look, we're incredibly excited. I've been looking for a precinct or blue light show for a few years we've come close we nearly commissioned one last year we had a blue light show in development a couple of years it didn't quite work out and finally we've um all the ducks have lined up and we've been able to commission sydney harbour force which really in a lot of ways it's multi-genre it'll look like a blue light show but but we cover we cover a, a range of, of of tough jobs in, in that harbour i mean we we 
We look at um, we look at cruise ship arrivals, kayaking, commuters, animal rescue, police and emergency services. So it's a very rich, complex uh, harbour that 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 we we sort of go behind the scenes of and and take viewers into one of the most iconic uh, places in the world. Really, is Sydney Harbour, and and we've been aggressively uh, filming uh, during a period of, so across Christmas, uh, New Year's, through to Australia Day, and in a lot of ways that harbour is, is, is one of the centres of, of the world during that summer period. So we've already captured some amazing stories and we look forward to sharing those with audiences later in the year. Explain blue light. I'm sort of guessing what it might be, but what's the official? Cop shows. Cop shows. <laughs> <laughs> I thought as much. It's better check on yeah. that. Um, yeah, so I would imagine there'd be big international demand on on a format like that. Will is that something that's made um, specifically for the Discovery family, or will will that go out to market and Discovery and other markets will pick it up if they want it? Yeah, that's that's not a full global commission. So that's a that's very much a clever finance plan partnering. So we, Discovery ANZ, partnering with Discovery UK um, and then Screen New South Wales are, are involved as well um, and then there's uh, international distribution through uh, Fred Media. Yep. And, um, yeah, look, I mean, that's, that's been part of the success of the last few years is come up with clever finance plans. Will be a similar sort of deal. You won't have a host as such. There'll be a voiceover, and you'll follow different teams working on the harbour. Yeah, look, increasingly the shows that we like to make are very much character driven and led. We want the characters to be the storytellers and 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 really immerse audiences. I think you know the more artificial uh, sort of uh, talent you put in there, I think it gets in the way of, of bring audiences straight into the story and the drama. Yeah, couldn't couldn't agree more. It's it's good. You go just straight to the content. There's there's no fluff. You don't worry about, you know, leading people into it. You you're just there on on location. Now there's um give us an update on Aussie Gold Hunters. Where are we with that at the moment? Uh look we're we're making season six at the moment. Six, season six will be 20 episodes and at this stage we'll be, we're looking to launch around April, May. Um, now, look, one of our big success stories is Aussie Gold Hunter. So last year, uh, season five uh, became the highest rating season of any Discovery show ever on Discovery Channel in Australia. So... Audiences just love it. Um, it shows the strength of pay TV still, that we can continue to increase our audiences, um, increase our share. Uh, in fact, we were very proud of, of, of all our entire portfolio last year. It was our, it was our biggest, uh, Discovery Australia's uh, portfolio was our biggest share ever. Um, and we managed to hit our, hit our ad sales targets in a, pandemic year. So a huge amount of our success in recent years has really been investing in great local content um, as represented by shows like Outback Opal Hunters and Aussie Gold Hunters. Yeah. Have, have you been able to travel at all yet to catch up with any of your sort of 
production partners or what is something you've got to wait a bit longer to do? Uh, look, it's, it's incredibly difficult. Um, we've had to learn to do things over Zoom. I mean, I do, editorially, I sort of run things out of the office anyway. I don't I don't generally go on location. We've got so many locations. Yeah. So I might go for a sales event or a community event or something like that. Um, but outside of that, you know, I've got to be quite um, uh, clever with, with the way I manage my time and uh, particularly, you know, growing slate. You can't grow you can't grow a slate tenfold in five years and be everywhere at the same time. Yeah, I, I wasn't thinking so much about on location, I guess, but but just meeting and shaking hands and it's one thing thanking them over Zoom and telling them, but it's, a, it's just not the same as in person, is it, you know? No, look, James, I completely agree with you and one of the reasons why we had such a successful year last year and we were able to, um, uh, and particularly in terms of keeping our local productions running, is I spent a, a fair bit of time just before lockdown um, with funding bodies, with producers, um, and, and, and as the pandemic hit, being face-to-face, we were able to actually work out a strategy for how we were going to combat uh, lockdown and, and COVID. So there's tremendous value. And even if I think back to the last MIP I went to, I mean, some of the shows we did last year were essentially because I got face-to-face time and it was an off-the-cuff remark when we were there, and they, the production, the producers. So if I'm talking about uh, Wild Bear in this in this example. Um, I, I caught up with them at, at MIP year before last, and they showed me something that they were working on. It wasn't meant to be the the meeting as such, but it was sort of an off the cuff remark. Mm-hmm. They showed me some um, some footage of something they'd shot. I gave them immediate feedback, and then last year we that became a big commission involving a series called Demolition Down Under and another series called Aussie Mega Mechanics, a big package of 22 episodes, 22 hours, uh, funded with the support of um, Screen Queensland. Yeah. Now, would that have happened uh, like that if if we met up on Zoom? I'm not sure. Yeah, absolutely. Or it might have just taken a little bit longer. Um, So tell me about some of these other shows. Uh, you you mentioned then, I think, uh, Demolition and Mega Mechanics. Tell us about those. Yeah, well, this is, uh, look, we're, we're number one in the tough job space, <laughs> right? So uh, we've taken we've taken a very, probably what many would regard as a niche genre yeah. and really amplified it globally. So we find that these shows really resonate, particularly with our male audiences. Um, it's about engaging characters a lot of these shows are about engaging engaging characters, doing amazing things, usually in spectacular locations, right? That That is commonly the uh, thread across these shows. And that mix not only resonates with our audience locally, but it's obviously working globally as well. Um, Aussie, uh, so Demolition Down Under, we launched last year. It's, it's done incredibly well for us. As I said, um, you know our local content's been part of our success. So we so we've made two se- two seasons of that with uh, our friends at Wild Bear, and uh, we have a new season of Aussie Mega Mechanics uh, coming later this year as well. Um, and once again, this is all part. I mean, we film these across just about every we ha- we actually film in every Australian state. Um, so we think we do we provide content that a lot of the 
free-to-wears don't. I think the free-to-wears can be very very city-centric, mm-hmm. whereas we like to speak to audiences from coast to coast. Yes, yeah. So position is best for global. Yeah. If I could call, I guess, uh, you, is it right to say Outback and uh, Outback Opal and Aussie Gold are, are the major franchises? Yeah, well, they're the, they're the longest running. Yeah. Uh, so they've had the the chance to to grow from season to season, and you know it, it does take time. That a lot of these shows aren't always hits from day one. Um, Opal Hunters pretty much was uh, Aussie Gold Hunters. It took a couple of seasons before everything clicked. I think there's so much choice out there now. There's so much content out there, and there's so many different providers. It sometimes it just takes time for audiences to find it. And you need to repeat the show, give them another opportunity to find it, and then you can build it over time. It's just about making sure that you, you've got your editorial correct, you're selecting the right shows, you're working uh, with the right people to, to make those shows as strong as possible, and then you just, you know, you put all your faith in the, in the, the promotional arms of your business to, to really communicate that messaging. You can, um, so you can see them on Foxtel and Fetch, uh, Opal Hunters is also won Seven Mate or some of them. Is that right? Yeah, so that that was an example of um, a f- clever finance plan that came to us. So that was uh, it was the finance plan was just so attractive. It, it pretty much came in with a second window to Seven attached to it already. Um, so that that allowed everyone to kind of share the burden a little bit, uh, reduce the risk. And then once it's a success, we were able to increase our investment, increase the number of episodes. And we started out, that first season was only eight episodes. We commissioned, you know, we commissioned them in, in, in bunches of sort of 20 now and, and perhaps even more than that in the future. Um, once it proves itself, then, you know, you've got past, it's about reducing risk at the start. And then once it proves itself, you can actually increase investment after that. Um, but I think it, things will change over time. I think increasingly, um, you know, we want to make more content, but we probably want to start to make more content that we own globally as well. Um, so I think there'll be sort of two buckets um, because increasingly it'll be we want to make content for the world. Mm. So there's no point only taking out local rights if we want to if that's our ambition. I love the niche genres you have different words for. Is there a niche genre you'd like to be a bit more present in than you are that's it's going well? Yeah, it's it's a good question. Um, yeah, like I said, and we are pretty strong in the tough job space. I didn't even mention Aussie Lobstermen and Aussie Salvage Squad, two series that we've been making with Fredbird. Um, so... We, we, we do very well in the tough job space, but then beyond that, we're always looking for character-driven motoring series. We're always looking for um, series in the sort of uh, mystery science space, so anything from archaeological finds through to the unexplained. Um, off the grid, we're, we're, we're commonly looking for shows that are shot off the grid. We integrate off the grid in terms in, uh, in terms of our tough job sh- shows as well, but we've got shows in the US like Alaskan Bush People and Alaska The Last Frontier. Well, we f- actually feel that we could make shows like that here as well. It's just trying to find the characters. Um, and then I think what will happen 
as I mentioned before, we've, we've diversified our business in the last year. And so it is only natural that we will start to diversify our, our commissioning mix also. Um, in Before too long, I think we'll be commissioning uh, shows attracting more female audiences, for example. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned females, but virtually all these shows have some amazing female characters in them, don't they? Absolutely. It's incredibly important for us to to have a diversity of cast in our series. So we like to have younger characters, strong female characters uh, in both Aussie Gold Hunters and Outback Opal Hunters. We have Indigenous characters as well. And this is going to be part of our um, commissioning checklist, I think, going forward. Do you ever commission with a view to potential uh, commercial partnerships or is that something you leave up to the the carriers and the various platforms that take the shows? I think we, we will start doing that now. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think that's an area that we, we, we've been a bit, um, we haven't been as active as I probably like in the past in, in that regard, but uh, that is an area that we're going to really ramp up. Yes. Okay. okay. I mean, now that we're, we're reaching much bigger audiences with our content um, and we want to keep making content, I think it just it's just logical that you try and find some clever brand in, in, inter, integration. I mean, we're in free-to-air now as well across ANZ, so it just makes sense. I guess the more you commission, the more pictures you get. Have you got a fair bit of stuff on your plate now that you're sort of thinking about or considering? Oh, look, always. And I don't generally lose anything either. So <laughs> it's, it's usually a question of timing. And I can never judge the best time. So you try to hang on to everything. You try and uh, you try and um, make sure that you remember things, so that when the opportunity arises, uh, you can move on projects. Um, even something like S- Sydney Harbour Force is has sort of been in the background for a few years. Um, and like I said before, it's just in some instances, it's just about lining up all the ducks. Yeah. But um, I might, might finish with this, a bit of um, insight into, um, into your role. Give us the, the, the feedback you give to your production partners. I mean, it sounds from our chat today the, the smart producers deliver as much of a package as they can to you. That includes content, financing, you know, a, a well-rounded package is, is, a, is a real asset to have. And then... During the show, when it's being made, how involved do you get at um, at watching um, its progression? I guess that varies. The first season or something, maybe more than season six, where you sort of you trust what they're doing. We work, uh, yeah, okay. So the you're right in terms of you know we want a great idea, but traditionally we've wanted a great finance plan as well. I mean that's certainly what's helped drive the success in the last couple of years. Um, so, yeah, great idea. We want to see the budget. What's a finance plan look like? And then sometimes it, it's a matter of I will go, this works for us. Let me talk to my colleagues in in other markets to see if they're interested also. Um, or sometimes I might just give immediate feedback and said, I'll know straight away whether it's something that we want. Um, if it's something that we like and I'm very slow giving an answer, it's usually because I'm just trying to line the ducks up. 
<laughs> you know, it's just not the right budget cycle or, you know, shifting priorities. We're not quite at that point yet, for example. I mean, as I said, our business has just completely changed in the space of a year. So it's it's probably a little tougher to 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 navigate these things. But, yeah, look, I'll try to be as precise as possible as to whether I'll try to give a quick answer if it's not right for us. Uh, and then beyond that, it's uh, we like producers that 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 are agreeable to working closely with us. Uh, we we generally want to sign off on characters, storylines, uh, edits as well. Um, so I've watched every episode of just about everything we've made over the last four years uh, a couple of times over um, to be able to give that feedback. Um, and then if there's an editorial partner like the Discovery UK, then they'll have an editorial, an EP involved as well. Um, I've recently brought on an EP to, to assist us through this year because our slate's just becoming massive. So it's been a, it's a lot to be on top of and making sure that we make these shows as strong as possible. And those storylines they provide at the start of a season, I guess, to keep it authentic as possible, you, the, you can only know so much, can't you? Because I guess things develop when they're filming. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, you go in, uh, it's it's a really around what's the ambition of these characters this season? Or uh, So take, for example, the bishop. We introduce a new character like the bishop. Well, the reason why he's opal mining is he wants to find opal and then use that money to build a church, right? So they're, they're very big sort of tentpole moments that you can work towards, um, and, and usually these characters will have a plan as to how they want to get there, which they know they're looking very closely at this lease over here or they, they like the look of this other lease over there, um, maybe to do with other characters that they want to work with. They can't do it all, all on their, their own, so they might need to partner with someone, et cetera. So you get, an, you get a sense of those things. So you, you can tr try to start to map out um, so that the, the, the companies, the producers, when, they, when they're out there, they're... They know what they're sort of looking for, but they're also open to things pivoting very quickly. Yeah, Darren, look, um, thank you, mate. Look, great chatting to you. It's great to get an insight, uh, as always, um, off the work you and Discovery's doing. I mean, I love the way you're so... The teams are always so upfront about the money. They, you know, they tell... They always say how much they're aiming for this season, what's their target. You get to see the negotiations with the people who are buying the gems or the gold, which is really fascinating and then they chat afterwards about gee I, I got more than I thought or that was a bit of a down and we didn't quite make it but it's it's just really adds so much to the series yeah look all of those elements that you you mentioned they're all things they're all aspects and editorial sort of um, directives that um, are important to discovery and so if you make a, a show with discovery and it's in the tough job space those sort of strike at rich shows they're the things we're going to be asking for. We need to see this because we have to be clear and upfront as possible with our audience. Um, you know, they need to understand what the stakes are. They need to understand what the ambition is of, the, of these characters and whether they can get there. That way, uh, you know, we want our audiences to be immersed by these characters, led by these characters. We want them cheering for them, yeah. right? So they need to understand uh, what they're chasing. 
Yeah, and it's aspirational too. I mean, I'm a dreamer when I watch these sort of shows. And I think, geez, if I chucked in my day job, how would I go out prospecting, you know? And, you, and it's... Oh, look, totally. And I think that's one of the points of difference between uh, these shows that we make here in this market versus maybe our colleagues in other markets where we we try to ensure that we have characters that are relatable. There's a sense that uh, our viewers go, hey, I could do that. I could do exactly the things that you said, James, and I can quit my job. And I can tell you, through a, a pandemic year, and uh, there's nothing more appealing, really, than maybe leaving the city and living off-grid. Yeah, absolutely. And a word of warning, though, you've got to invest in some pretty heavy-duty machinery to, to do it properly, so you've, you've got to be careful. But, um, yeah, Darren, look, again, mate, thank you for your time. Great chatting to you, and... Um, Viewers, you know, Outback Opal Hunters, new season this week, and all those other shows sort of um, dropped right across the schedules on the uh, Discovery Channel. Watch out for them this year on uh, Foxtel, on uh, Discovery, wherever you can get these channels. Thanks, James. Thanks, thanks, listeners. Great to be involved.